0: I think a lot of women are so used to being defensive and like coming from this fight place, like in the workplace and like fight, 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 that they're showing up in their relationships, like fight, 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 fight. And, you know, a lot of this kind of like, well, I could do it myself. And no, I'm not going to be like this, like passive woman. But then they also want to be taken care of and they want to feel like the man is leading or why didn't he text me?
1: Hey guys welcome back to mostly balanced with carly and mia hi welcome back
2: and happy 4th of july
1: (laughs) yes happy 4th of july happy long weekend if you guys are listening Mm -hmm. on monday when this is released hope you guys are enjoying your holiday weekend but this is such a fun episode. I didn't know much about Alana before we talked to her. She was a referral to us and I didn't know what direction it was going to go in because she does so many different things with her clients and has like background in a lot of different areas with yoga and nutrition and all different stuff. So I loved the way that it, the direction it ended up going in. And we talked a lot about dating and relationships and masculine and feminine energy, which I didn't know much about it, ended up being like therapy for me at the end. So you guys can all listen <laughs> in to her telling me about my masculine
2: energy. I know I really love the way the conversation went. And after listening to it, like I introduced Alana in the intro of the episode as a health coach focusing on nutrition, and she's a certified dietitian. And then we went like a completely different route. But I actually did a session with Alana and it's totally true. Like in the way we think of wellness, that all of these areas are connected with your relationships, your diet, your just everything that's going on in your life is all connected and all affects each other. So it was, we talk a little bit about like feeling your feelings and she struggled with an eating disorder. So we touch on that briefly, but I really loved the second half of the episode or the second half of our conversation went completely in the route of relationship. She said she ends up being a dating and relationship coach to a lot of her clients who might have originally came to her for like a food issue or working on their own health. So it was interesting. Yeah,
1: it was really interesting. I feel like I learned, not even like learned a lot, it just gave me a different perspective on a lot of things while you're listening you'll hear that it something certain things like clicked for me like oh that's why that always happens to me on dates and oh that's why i always attract that type of guy and things like that that have been we recorded this probably like over a month ago at this point and they've definitely been in my head even when i'm on dating apps or talking to guys in person like trying to rejigger my behavior and my the way that like my energy shows up because i definitely agree with a lot of what she said
2: Yeah, I know. It it kind of just put things in a different perspective, like you said. And we talk about dating and in relationships and it kind of validated some of the dating rules you might have heard. It kind of validates what we say all the time about not telling your partner what you don't want them to do and reinforcing like positive, like positive reinforcement to create the relationship you want. So very interesting and definitely a conversation I haven't had or we haven't had with anyone professionally before. So I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. And I, oh my gosh, Mia, I waited to tell you this because (laughs) so if anyone listening hasn't listened yet, we said this in last week's intro too. But if you haven't listened yet to our episode with Sari, it was a bonus episode. It was like one of my favorite episodes. I just felt like it was such a good conversation. And she was so honest and authentic, like she always is, but just really gave like an insider view into the life of a creator influencer, a career that a lot of people kind of misunderstand, I think. So my mom, it was so funny because she, she'll listen to the podcast, but she has said to me before, like her and her friends are always like, what is an influencer? Like they kind of just like not look down on it, but they're kind of like, they don't understand it and don't get how it's a career and everything. And she like completely changed her view after listening to Sari. Like she was like, oh my gosh, after listening to that episode, she was like, yeah, it is. She kind of like sold her on why you should trust influencers with the brands that they post, and why a brands should be basically only using influencer marketing instead of using mm-hmm. just TV commercials and things like that. And it was really cool to hear because I feel like it's such a generational thing that. I don't blame people in our parents' generation for like not really understanding it, but it really, the episode does such a good job of really cracking it open.
2: Yeah, and like completely putting the influencer's career, it paints the picture of an influencer's career as just another form of advertising. And yeah, I I totally agree with what you said. That's cool. I'm glad glad your mom has changed her perspective. Or I mean, it's true. Like a lot of of people in our generation, I'm sure don't really understand or don't even like think past what they see on Instagram of like this, Real, probably what looks like a really amazing life. We talk about that in the episode, but there's so much like just hard work and uncertainty and the criticism and the like all you don't unless you have those long-term partnerships like Sari works with, you kind of don't know when a lot of like your next year's paychecks are going to look like. So it's a really intense career. And I'm glad that I know I love that episode. I'm glad we had Sari on here to talk about that because she has such a genuine voice.
1: Yeah, she was definitely one of the best people we could have had come on to talk about it. And when we always talk about new things that we're trying. So the other, the new thing that I wanted to talk about is actually another podcast and it's the One Tree Hill podcast, Drama Queens. Oh my gosh, I am obsessed with it. I have never watched One Tree Hill. So is it like a rewatch podcast? It's a rewatch podcast. Other... Honestly, okay. like, what are you doing? Because you need to watch One Tree Hill. <laughs> I never it was watched it. It better than the O.C. I feel like around the same time, I watched both of them, but One Tree Hill was always my favorite. Favorite, And one of the reasons I loved it so much is because I love Sophia Bush, who's one of the characters in it. And so she had her own podcast called, I think it's called Work in Progress. Reminds me a lot of the Doc Shepherd podcast because of the types of guests that she has. But she also has a little bit more of like, she's a really big activist. So she has a little bit more of a political activism spin on it. Anyway, now she, I guess, wanted to do something that was fun and uplifting and everything. So she asked the other two main character girls from the show, Hillary Burton and Bethany Joy Lenz, to do this podcast with her called Drama Queens. And it is so good. But anyway, the reason that I love this podcast is because similar to if anyone listening has listened to any rewatch podcast or specifically the OC, Welcome to the OC Bitches, that podcast I really like because again, I liked the show and I feel like it's fun to hear all the different people come on who worked on the show and things like that. But this one, they're really honest, like talk about things like how the directors and whoever like at first wouldn't let them wear their hair up in a ponytail when they were filming like scenes for the cheerleading team. They didn't want them to wear it up because like looks better down and just things that were like especially from like that time and making them not making them but like wanting them to do all these sex scenes and like inappropriate things that they like didn't want to do and they talk about having to like basically bargain with the writers and directors to be like well I'm not going to do this but I will do this And it's like more kind of like in the weeds and they're not like only talking about the good things. I really like it I think and it's it's funny too. Highly recommend listening if you have watched One Tree Hill. And if you haven't, watch it. It's really good.
2: <laughs> yes, I guess I have to. What else am I really watching? I'm watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love Downton Abbey. Yeah, it's really good. I'm enjoying had, it. Had you ever seen it before? I watched a couple episodes, but never the full thing. So we started it and that's what we've been watching. That's been fun. My new thing is the key lime pie I made last night, which Carly just told me she doesn't like key lime pie. And we may poll you to see if you like key lime pie, (laughs) but I... I love it. I don't know. It's just one of those things I love. I think it's because I love the graham cracker crust. And I have literally never made a key lime pie before. Someone showed me this recipe and I decided to make it. I have never heard of this blog before. It's called Mom on Time Out and it's labeled the best key lime pie. And I mean, it truly was. I had never made one before, but it was so easy. I don't even think I like knew how to make a key lime pie. I didn't even know what was in it, but really easy and quick. And it was a crowd pleaser. My dad said it was the best key lime pie he's ever had. And I got a lot of that from the crowd that was my family. So I highly recommend I'll share the, I'll share the recipe in the show notes. But if you're a key lime pie person, I feel like it was a perfect 4th of July recipe or any summer weekend recipe. And it was great.
1: (laughs) I will say that the, it did look professional. It looked, it looked really good. If I liked key lime pie, I would love it.
2: It was great. I'm glad you thought it looked good.
1: (laughs) It's definitely (laughs) a summer recipe. So we'll put that in the show notes
2: and all of you. Cause I told Mia that people either love it or hate it. By the way, it's not a healthy recipe. I know like sometimes we share, I mean, not always. Sometimes we'll share like healthier versions. This is definitely not a healthier version. It's like condensed milk and sour cream. So if you're lactose intolerant, stay away. Yeah, there's sour cream in it. Oh, wow. Maybe that's why I don't like it. I mean, Um, it doesn't sound appealing, but let me tell you. it It was great. Also, another funny key lime pie thing. <laughs> we did a little poll to see how many limes it would take to get three fourths of a cup of lime juice. I guessed like 12. I was wildly wrong. It took four limes. So. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: going to say three. Twelve. that's a lot of limes. I, mean,
2: I don't know. I always thought limes were tiny and didn't yield much juice. So <laughs> if you're going to make this recipe, I recommend like four limes. <laughs> so now you Not have a 12. lot of leftover limes. Yeah, we have lots of limes. <laughs>
1: If you look at our Instagram, we just posted a roundup that has all of our good handful of our fitness focused episodes with different fitness instructors that we've had on. So some of our favorite episodes from season one with Olivia Amato from Peloton. And of course, Dino, who we have two episodes with just a bunch of good ones. So definitely take a look at that roundup and listen back if you haven't listened to those ones, because they're, there's a lot of really good ones. And they're all like very different, which is great. Yeah, they're all fitness instructors, but the vibe of the episodes there, it's all really different. So a lot of talk. A lot of topics are covered.
2: Yes. Those were some like not only a great fitness roundup, but some of the most fun episodes we've recorded. So love it. They're all like high energy, really fun people. And like, in addition to hearing about their own fitness method or whatever fitness studio or workout they practice. They also are so motivational. A lot of times we cover other topics. So definitely tune in. They're all great listens.
1: Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode and we will see you next week. Yes. Thank you.
2: Welcome back. We are here today with a registered dietitian and clinical nutritionist who takes a creative and intuitive approach to help men and women overcome health concerns. So welcome to Mostly Balanced, Alana Kessler.
0: Hi, guys. So excited and happy to be here on this amazingly gorgeous summer like day in New York.
1: (laughs) yes, It really is. It's so nice out there. Well, we're so happy to have you. We can't wait to chat with you. So why don't you just introduce yourself, tell everyone where you're from and a little bit more about what you do. Yes, I'd love to thank
0: you for the invitation.
1: I am a New
0: Yorker, born and bred, but I grew up in Long Island. So I grew up there and then actually went to NYU for my undergrad and also for my grad. So I graduated in 2003. So I've actually been here in New York City for almost 22 years. (laughs) Wow. Which is <laughs> so long, <laughs> shocking, and yeah, I've had an amazing wellness experience living here. Which is funny. I, I always like to talk about that quote: "Wherever you go, there you are," and you can always find an experience. A spiritual and wellness experiences are always from the inside out. That's really my philosophy, and. I really have lived that that reality as far as really growing into myself as a healer and as a clinical dietitian, as a functional nutritionist, as a yoga and meditation teacher for 15 years. I owned a yoga studio for 10 years in Brooklyn and really just evolving my own healing journey and now helping men and women with their own wellness journey, helping them find balance within themselves and in harmony with their environment. And really helping them find that sense of centeredness, joy, and also this feeling of agency that comes with really knowing yourself and that gives you the real freedom to live adventurously and really enjoy life. And I feel like that's been something that I've done mostly here. I took some trips to India, to Thailand, and I've led international yoga retreats all over the place. But I'd say that really the, the grit of New York City and really applying a lot of the methods that you learn here in New York City and doing that has been an amazingly growing and healing experience for me. So uh,
2: that's really what I do. <laughs> you have such amazing experience and you've really shaped such a great, robust career. And I like that you said New York was the place that helped you along that spiritual journey, because I feel like when most people think of New York. It's hectic. It's chaotic. People are so busy. They don't find that balance within themselves. And when I said it was so long that you've been here, it's a long time to be living in one place and have that much growth. I feel like a lot of times that growth comes from moving to different places. I know you've had the travel experience and learning so much throughout the time, but when you moved to New York, were you interested in the spirituality and the healing, or was that something you picked up along the way through the years here?
0: Yeah, a great question. It's always been in my nature to be, you know, a seeker. I would say that even as a kid and as a teenager, I was always really intense, philosophical, always kind of with these existential style conversations. And Yeah, I would say that it's always been a North Star for me. I didn't have any theory or any practical applied tools for that almost energetic North Star until I came to NYU and started practicing yoga in 1999. So I would say that when I went into my first yoga class, then it was my first sense of spirituality, which is interesting because I grew up as an Orthodox Jew. So for me, I grew up with a lot of religion really intense kind of community dogmatic lifestyle. But ironically, when I came to NYU is when I really felt that felt sense of, oh, this was the expansiveness that I was looking for and really dove in. But I would say that it was ebbs and flows. I mean, I spent a year doing yoga on a VHS tape in my dorm and in my apartment and then didn't do it again for like 10 months, you know, and then came back to it and then hired a private teacher and then you know, it was slow over time and then started going to workshops and then started studying Ayurveda. And then, you know, it's really built on itself. And I think one of the things about my career has been, and this is something that now ironically is a huge tenant of what I teach people is I never pushed it. Like I never forced it. Like I never was like, Oh my God, I, I should do this. You know, opening a yoga studio was inspired. It was born out of like, It was almost like, I don't know how it happened. Like I turned around and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then all my teacher trainees were the teachers that taught with me and some of the yoga teachers that were my private teachers eight years before that came and taught some classes and Ironically, over the years, that creative inspiration turned into something that I realized is not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a CEO of an industry. I didn't want that. And actually, that's when I left owning a yoga studio as the industry changed. But I would say that I've always been somebody that pushed the edge of seeking that growth, that personal growth. And then also... I just turned 40 in January and now it's been kind of like, how do I pull back on the seeking? And now I'm kind of in the landing And how do I teach people when to seek and when the seeking is a bypass, you know, for something that maybe you should stay and explore more of. And I think that I've done a good job with that being in New York. Like I moved a lot in New York. Like I lived in all the different neighborhoods. So it's not like I didn't move. But it never felt aligned for me to leave New York. It always felt like if I were to do it, it would be because I was hoping that somewhere out there would be better than in here. It was an outside in thing. Nothing came at me that was like, move here.
1: Yeah. Wow. What you just said at the end there, I feel like is exactly what I was thinking. What I was going to say is that sometimes like for me, when I've moved and like left New York it was because I was trying to find an easy way for that change. And I kind of feel like when you what you said, sometimes you have to kind of know when to seek and when to stay and actually like feel what's happening and be in that place. So that's something that I'd love to hear more about. So you said you work with your clients on that sometimes. What are like ways that we could be better at tuning into like when we should be out there seeking new things and when we should connect with where we're at now? Amazing question. And I feel
0: like I'm so excited you asked that question because I think that wanting to know that and see, and valuing that is probably one of the most foundational things that someone needs to understand about wellness. And so... At this point, I really teach people to get in touch with their feelings. I I feel like feelings as a trendy statement is something that's in the zeitgeist right now is something that isn't to be shamed anymore, which I love. But feelings are also not a theory. Like to be a feeler is not the same as talking about feelings or being allowed to feel your feelings. They're two different things. And I teach people how to be feelers without having it be overwhelming that they can't function in their life, right? And how being a feeler can enhance your life, but you need practical, accountable anchors that can help you rein in the feelings that can be your compass. And those anchors are different for everyone. So in my work with people, I try to find what people's anchors are through my conversations with them in our sessions, through my ability to ask, similar to you guys, to ask questions in a way that I know will get a good answer from them and will make them feel safe and seen and not judged. My work is being able to infer and sense what the feelings are that maybe that person isn't quite comfortable being with within themselves and giving those feelings a place to show up. And then I am skilled enough, hopefully, to be able to absorb them and then repattern them back in a way that helps them grow. And then they themselves start to see it. And that is what a limiting belief is, you know, usually comes from unprocessed feelings about yourself. And that's really how you transform a limiting belief into a healing opportunity. It's not just knowing that limiting beliefs are feelings that aren't processed and knowing that you should break them. Like you have to actually do it.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with what you said about how it's great that it's cool now to show your feelings and to feel your feelings and everything like that. Like I love that but I feel like the real power is in actually being able to like control them and know what they mean. Like, it's great to feel them and show them, but to be able to like use them is a whole different thing. So that's really cool that that's kind of how you work with people.
0: Yeah. And you know, understanding people's relationship to food, a lot of times that's where it shows up, right? It's in their relationship to food. It's in their relationships with people and you start to see patterns. And so my work with people is very much a listener first. And I tell that to people off the bat because it can be very unnerving when people are so used to starting a program. And then they're like, what am I getting into? What am I going to have to adapt myself to? And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is actually we're going to build a program around you. So I need to listen first to how you are and then ask you questions about your desires and about what in your life brings you joy about this stuff. And I want that to be in the anchors too, not just like general things that are going to bring you success that is born out of the general population, having success with that or a mainstream diet trend. we want this to be a program where you can have an integrated, diverse joy
2: (laughs) in that way. I love that the way this conversation's progressed and Carly's original question, because I feel like I always run into issues like this. It even reminds me of my human design as a projector. I'm told I have to wait for an invitation rather than seek it. And when it comes to anything, I feel my feelings. I'm definitely an emotional person, but it is sometimes hard for me to decide what it is that I'm chasing after and what it is I want to like make myself feel better And I like that you brought it even back to how it's not only like your purpose or maybe your career, but also in your approach to food. So when you are working with your clients, are most people coming to you for more of a food, nutrition, expertise, or more of what you're talking about in terms of like identifying feelings and working through problems? What is the primary reason most of your clients are coming to see you?
0: So most of them are coming to see me for almost like an umbrella of all of those things, ultimately. But I would say that it's a food-related issue first. So whether it's a disordered eating pattern that's combined with weight gain or irritable bowel syndrome, typically it's fatigue just generalized poor eating habits. And then once we dig a little bit deeper, there's a lot of chaos in their life and not a lot of boundaries, not a lot of, so, so, you know, there's a lot of leaky energy everywhere, right? So it's like a leaky gut, leaky energy, and largely it's because the inside's not aligned. So people don't know how to properly filter things. And oftentimes when that happens, people just start to push things away. So they feel more in control and then they try to fill that emptiness with food or something or with something else. And so I think once people start to realize that they might be in a pattern that's not so healthy because they have physical symptoms, whether that again, like that's weight gain or fatigue or inflammation or acne or something like that, they'll come to me for that.
1: How did food come into play in your whole wellness journey? Was it something that you struggled with?
0: Oh yeah. Yes. hundred percent. So <laughs> I actually struggled with bulimia for many years. So it started for me when I was 16 and I actually didn't even really stop being asymptomatic until I was like 31 actually. So even along my whole seeker yoga, all this stuff, I was still struggling with food. So the interesting thing is, is that now this is such a like a diamond in my practice with people because people often think it's very black and white where you have to get rid of something in order to be healing. And my story allows me to have that verified faith. I always teach people about the verified faith that you don't have to be completely healed from something for you to be healing at the same time. I was still inspiring people. I was still a leader, which shows, you know, you don't have to be perfect in order to inspire and be a leader and you don't have to put your life
2: on hold. But, you know, it was a challenging, really challenging time for me. Thanks for sharing that story. I feel like something like that or really anything that takes over your mind. So many people can relate to in one way or another and something that they work through over many years. And I really like that you pointed out that you were healing along that process. You didn't have to feel completely perfect or completely whole to be making progress and inspiring other people. How do you manage those feelings when they come up again and continue on your path of healing? Because it is a continuous path. Everyone can relate to that in some way or another other.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And thank you for the reflection back. I appreciate it. I have to say the work I do now is really helpful. I'm so in flow with what I do now with where I'm at in my own work. So it's like, I actually apply so many of the same strategies that i share with my clients for myself. What's going on in my life? I just had an intense experience and I'm feeling a little uncertain. So these are things that I know are happening, even if I'm feeling nothing right now. Right. But I know that my desire to eat or binge has to be an emotion that I'm not quite able to connect with. And I've learned different anchors to touch base in and that are right. So I'll be like, okay, I just came back from this intense experience. So I must be feeling overwhelmed. then I do things like I'm like take a bath play the guitar you know just go to sleep and wake up in the morning and you're gonna your whole energy will be different you'll do your routine you'll practice you'll meditate you'll feel like yourself and I know that to be true because I've done it so many times some days the voices are louder than other days you gotta just like have faith
1: yeah I like all of those tips they're great ways to kind of like get out of your head But what tips do you have to like really go the opposite route and go into those feelings instead of finding a different distraction? Like do you say journaling or meditation or just kind of like sitting? What advice do you have for kind of really like feeling the feelings?
0: I always say with the feeling the feelings, just want to preface this, is that you need to be in a very resourced place within yourself to feel the feelings. So that's why I give the substitutions first. Like, I don't necessarily want to distract you. I want you to know that you're substituting and the feelings are there. So it's like a meditation where you just say, all right, feelings. I don't quite see your name tags yet, but can you go in the corner? I know you're there and I'll address you later. You know, so when I lead meditations, I do that meditation a lot where we're not going to dive in inquiry. We're not going to do inquiry into the feelings, because we can't quite name them yet. We just know that they're there because of the anxiety and like the feeling in the body, right? Like the heart beating fast, the like heightened energy. And so you need to know if you're in a good place to go deeper into the feelings. If yes, I would say the answer is no, if your energy is high. So if you think about like, like I said, I do Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. So waist up is yang and waist down is yin, right? So yin is the grounded energy, yang is the moving energy. So if a lot of your energy is up, it's not the time to go in your feelings. Like if your energy is down, then you might be more resourced to, to go into your feelings. And then I would suggest journaling. I actually sometimes sometimes like take a shower and like just get drying off naturally and just feeling the water dry off. I'll literally just like look out the window and I'll just be, I'll get a sense of what emotion I feel, you know? Oh, I feel melancholy. I feel insecure. I feel scared. I feel untrusting. And then I'm like, oh, well, where is this coming from? And it's like, is this now? Is this happening in the moment? And a lot of times it's not. It's either future tripping or it's like a past belief conditioning that I got from like someone else. And when I slow down enough, I find relaxing in that. Like I could be like, okay, so none of this has happened and that's not mine. And I don't really need to do anything else. I usually feel better about that. Talking about it doesn't always help. Sometimes that just makes it more like big.
2: Oh my God. First of all, future tripping. I do that constantly. I love that you said, this is not my feeling to have because it hasn't happened yet. And I feel like that happens to me constantly, but these tips, of course, for you personally are very rooted in the eating disorder and those feelings that come up. But when you're talking, it's honestly everything. Like, if I get in a fight with my boyfriend to not react, like all of the energies up here and very like, high energy, like um, active, active, right. Or like, if I'm really stressed about a situation at work, it's all of those times, like Carly and I, whenever we speak, even to like relationships, if you want to confront somebody to Mm -hmm. settle down and basically do any of the number of practices you just listed. So I think that advice would be for anyone dealing with anything when they're feeling that like imbalance of energy and how to react to any situation so very very helpful and i like that you said not to talk about it because whether it even involves another person but just your reaction i feel you need to sit with that on your own first before like putting that out there
0: definitely and then when you put it out there i think it is important though to put it out there if you land in the fact that there is a misalignment because that's how you create intimacy with people, you know, and then it comes from a place of empowerment and accountability. And that's really what we crave as humans is intimacy, but it's a responsibility. You know, we all have a responsibility to participate in the intimacy we want in our lives. It is a practice and it is, it is a strong practice and we build around that. And that's in food, that's in relationships.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of what you were saying about food earlier, I think could be applied to relationships too, because it's like somebody asked us advice the other day on like, if you feel like you, I guess coming on too strong or like you're obsessing over a relationship kind of thing, like what are some ways that you can like kind of pull back naturally? And I feel like what kind of what you said, like realize that are you constantly Thinking about this person reaching out to this person because you're anxious? Is it because you're missing something else in your life? Do you not have something that you love outside of it? Look into what the root cause is. So I love that you focus on that with your clients, looking into what the actual cause of things are versus what's just at the surface.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, so many of my work with my clients end up being a combination of food and relationships, you know, I feel like I end up being a dating coach as much as I end up being a food coach, you know, because it's so intertwined. And especially with women, my passion is really helping women to find a modern feminism. So much of the work I do now is harmonizing that masculine and feminine energy, because even though for the last 30 years, women have been encouraged and even sought after to do the same work as men in a man's world, it doesn't fulfill us. I think the same way it does men, just because the nature for, I'm not saying this is a generalization, some women, yes, but for the majority of women, I think no, because we're just chemically different. And I think that there's a certain amount of shame. And I know for myself, that happened to me. I mean, I was 35 and I had grown this business and I spent so much of my 20s, all my 20s on like so much of energy building a business because that was like women can now be in the workplace and women can do all this stuff and women can be entrepreneurs and you want to be independent. And it's interesting because I found that I was pursuing all that and I was still feeling unfulfilled. (laughs) I realized that the achieving, the reaching, the striving, the competing wasn't really all I thought it was going to be and it wasn't really what I wanted though I did want to be an entre- do want to be an entrepreneur and I want to be in the workforce and I find that a lot of my women clients struggle with this kind of like am I not a feminist if I like don't love being this like boss bitch you know it's like I think that that's a lot of what I work with people on is how to find that balance between contributing in a man's world without having to become like a man basically (laughs)
2: Yeah, for sure. I like that you brought up the masculine and feminine energies because I feel like it plays a lot of role in our life and our decisions and what we want without really identifying what's causing that. But I also like we've gotten into a bit of relationship stuff because we think and believe that wellness is encompassing of all of these pillars. And if one thing is off, it's most likely going to impact another. So you said you end up having some dating coach experience with your clients. So, have you helped clients like either get out of a really toxic relationship or improve their relationship? I would love to hear like any experience you've had improving someone's relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've had a client who was in an industry and her and her partner are in a similar industry. They're artists. They're musicians and they both were competing for the masculine role in the relationship. And so there ended up being this like wounded energy where the woman then felt like she couldn't exert her, her needs and her desires of what she wanted because it would offend him. And so basically it felt like he was steamrolling over everything and she felt like she had to say yes to everything. So she was feeling like she had gained weight and she was feeling stressed out all the time. And then she was creating more and more boundaries from him, right. So trying to get more control over the situation. Rather than feeling empowered to share her preferences and then dealing with his reaction, but then giving him the opportunity to to provide for her, right? Like if you give him the opportunity to provide for you without fearing that that's going to lose you of your autonomy because you're allowed to say, thank you for providing for me, but that's not my preference but here's my preference. I'm really excited to share this time with you, right? So you have to learn how to appreciate. I think a lot of women are so used to being defensive and like coming from this fight place, like in the workplace and like fight, 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 fight fight, that they're showing up in their relationships, like fight, 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 fight. And, you know, a lot of this kind of like, well, I could do it myself. And, no, I'm not going to be like this like passive woman, but then they also want to be taken care of and they want to feel like the man is leading or why didn't he text me? But it's like you have to kind of set it up. You have to kind of learn how to receive and maybe pull back on some of the ways that you are in your work and give the man the room to lead if that's what you want. So in my with my clients, that's usually the case. Like I attract a lot of women who are like bosses in the workplace client in particular is like a total boss in the studio and another client who's like an amazing event planner, but she wasn't feeling good in any of her relationships. You know, she wasn't attracting men who took care of her because she gave off this energy that she didn't really need to be taken care of. And so she thought that she had to look differently But the truth is, is no, she, she didn't, you know, she just needed to actually appreciate her own need to be taken care of. And so I teach women how to reintroduce themselves to that without feeling like they're weak because somehow that seems like weakness in this society. And, I understand because it's kind of a new thing to learn how to be more masculine in your professional life. And it's a real skill to learn how to then come back into your femininity in your personal life. If that's the kind of relationship dynamic you want from your partner, you want to be more feminine in the relationship, which means just energetically, right? Like you want to be the receiver. You're looking for someone to lead and you want them to reach out to you. But the skill that you need to have is in communication. So then I teach a lot of my women how to communicate without feeling like they're demanding or like needy or like they didn't get something they wanted.
1: That's so interesting. I think even just like thinking about it from my own personal experience, because Mia and I have laughed when we've talked about like a must-have quality and a significant other. And one of the things I say a lot is I want someone who's going to like take charge and like lead and be somebody who like takes a stance and speaks up. But on the other hand, I've been single for a long time. And so I've been able to do everything for myself. And I've been so like in that energy that I feel like I don't bring in the people that will do that because I'm not like exhibiting the need for that.
0: Yeah. So that's exactly right. And it's really just about starting to practice. It's going to feel unnatural at first. And it did with all the women. And the men that don't reach out to you first, if that's what you want, even if you felt chemistry and attraction with them is not your guy. Like a partner now, I think we're so compatible and I'm so happy in the relationship. And I met him and i had done a lot of work on myself at this point. But our first date, it wasn't this like, I didn't feel this sense of like, oh my God, we have so much chemistry. It was, I feel a certain sense of leadership from him. And then I let myself see if it continues. And I still let him come to me because I love how that feels. And then I share that with him, right? Like I still tell him how much I love that he calls me every night on FaceTime when we're not together. (laughs) You know, because genuinely I love that. And it's not the same if I call him even though we're committed, right? Like a friend of mine said, why don't you just call him if you want to talk? And I'm like, I
1: don't just want to talk. I want to feel him coming towards me. <laughs> you it's want them so like, to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's so hard because you want to be like, you said that like feminist and and I can approach a guy and I can ask them out and I can do all yeah. the things. But at the same time, like, I don't want to, like, it's, I'm not, not doing it because I don't think I'm supposed to, like, I'm not doing it because I want somebody like, I'm going to feel better about that person. Like, Mia can testify to the fact that the guys that I've liked the most have been guys that like I picked out and like found And they never end up being the person that I actually should be with because I'm kind of not forcing it, but I'm making all the moves and that's not actually what I want. I'm just doing it because I'm eager kind of thing.
0: Right. So then you probably men are very sensitive. So you probably end up then giving off an energy and after a few weeks of like, are you going to do this for me? Like you're giving to get basically. So a big kind of thing with women is they give to get and they nurture to get nurturing back. And that's not the case. Like nurturing is a very masculine quality. So it's, it's something that is, it's doing right. So to nurture is to do moms nurture their children because moms need to be masculine for their children, right? They're their managers. They're their, their provider. Mm -hmm. Women don't need to be masculine and nurturing to their partners. Instead, you want to feel that nurturing back. So I help women remember that and like kind of uncross the wires, because a lot of times women who are in this mixed wire situation will end up eating emotionally because they're lonely or they feel confused. It's like what you said. I met this guy. Oh, my God. We had a great time. We flirted. I texted him cute things, and he just started to breadcrumb me, basically. Like, you know, he responded back, but he didn't ask me out. So I was like, I'm a feminist. Let me sit. Let me ask you out. And then we went out, and we had such a good time. So I don't get it. Why is he not asking me out? And then this goes on, and then you just feel empty inside and insecure and, like, tight. You know, that's not feminine. Feminine, you should feel relaxed and open and safe. But yeah need a man who is going to do that. So what you need to do initially is to give them space to come to you. And when you're just starting to do this, it's not going to be natural. So you're going to feel really anxious while you're waiting. Right. Which is why I suggest you date multiple people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. necessarily- like sleeping with multiple people but like never focus on one guy until he shows you that he's asking you out multiple times and then focus on the right things for you like feeling taken care of feeling like he's leading and then appreciate him for it right, right. Because appreciating him for it, it's gonna make you feel good and develop the connection.
2: Yeah. And that kind of like even explains a lot of like dating rules where it might feel like you should wait for a guy to text you, let the guy ask you out. And I feel like sometimes women have a hard time with that in like modern age. Why do I have to let the guy lead? But that makes so much sense. You're just like putting yourself in the right energy to attract the person you want. And even outside of dating, I'm in a relationship for four years and I still like this ebbs and flows where it's like, I want affection and sure I can initiate all affection. I could initiate all communication I could initiate all plans, but I want my partner to be doing that too. so I find myself too sometimes in that phase of like I'm going to pull back because I want him to take the lead on all of these things I want. Sure, I can make them happen, but I also want it to be initiated. Right. So like for example, we were just
0: in Iceland for 10 days amazing and I know how to drive, but I love he drove. The whole time he, you know, he made plans every night for our, you know, next day, but I also know that he loves doing it. Right. So like he wants to drive, he loves making the plans. And so that's why we're so compatible because what he loves to do is what I want to receive. And that's what I learned. And I actually I express this in language on our dates. Like in the beginning of when we started dating, I said, I'm like, I love a guy who leads, do you like leading? Do you like making plans? So I asked qualifying questions to see. And when he said he does, I was like, great. And then I leaned back and he did it. You know, do you love doing this? And then when he did it, I would be like, I love that you lead. It makes me feel so safe, happy, cherished when you do the things that I told him, though, that I want. So it's not just our responsibility as feminine women to just like lean back and just like see if they do it. You need to know yourself and then suggest it and invite him to do it. And if he doesn't do it, even if you have the best chemistry, it's not going to work.
1: <laughs> that right there, I feel is so key. The fact that you have to actually make that clear to mm-hmm. tell them that that's what you want and kind of show that that's what you want. Because earlier, what you were just saying previously, when I was talking about feeling like if I like somebody, I should just go after them and not wait for them to come to me. It's so hard to kind of like you said that you're going to feel like awkward at first when you stop doing that. But then I get to the point where I feel like I almost seem closed off because I'm not like approaching somebody. So it's like, how do you be in that feminine energy without feeling like you're closed off?
0: Yeah. So I feel like for someone like you, and I feel like you're like so many women, right? Who are just in this like modern feminine, you know, this, like, I can do it. I can ask the guy out. Like you can, sure. Like, of course, it's so great. But is that what you want? So a lot of times women, when they meet a guy, they're so focused on the chemistry and wanting him to choose her and like making sure that he is going to like move it forward, that you don't show yourself in the space that you're given. So it's almost like if the second that you meet someone and you're you feel like this might be someone that you're interested in, rather than trying to make sure that he still likes you and is going to be interested in you and ask you out or that it's going to continue. You share about you. Yeah. And you ask questions, you're in communication, but right away, you could say like, I love men who take the lead. I'm the kind of girl that just like loves when I have a great time with a guy and I wake up in the morning and I see a text from him.
1: I'm laughing because Mia knows I'm realizing now that like we joke that one of the reasons we started a podcast was because like, I love asking questions on every day. I feel like I I'm realizing now that I kind of like take charge of it because all I do is ask them so many questions and I'm not even like sitting back and giving them a chance to ask me anything.
0: So talking releases estrogen. So when men talk a lot, they have higher estrogen. And so they end up being more like women. Yeah. Wow. That's so funny. Yeah. So you (laughs) you are like chat, chat, chat. And like men will just sit on a couch and grunt. And like, that's all. (laughs) And I'm not saying that's all men because the truth is modern men have actually become more chatty. And like, again, we need to come back to balance with this. Like, I think it's great that men are in their feelings and like talking more and all that. But like men need testosterone and talking Tempers testosterone. So it's like that takes away their action. So that's why we see relationships are very challenging right now with men and women who are straight. I'm talking about this cohort of people because it's confusing, right? And so some men are attracting more masculine women, take charge women, and initially they're happy to do the work but then they feel emasculated and then they leave the relationship, right? And then the women that might not even be their nature is to be masculine, but that's just, they're so in their masculine energy at work that they show up that way, attract a feminine energy style guy. But actually both of you guys might be naturally feminine, naturally masculine, but you're just out of balance. So, so much of the work I do with people is try helping them figure out what their balance is and then giving them the anchors and the tools and then giving them the communication to go out develop relationships with people because it is a practice. Like I told you, right? Where you go out and it is kind of like a little bit of like a, like a sun salutation, you know, where you have the moves, you know, it's like you go and then you got to know I'm on my first day with my partner. Now I actually said, I, I want to get married, but I said, you know, I'm 39 and I've done so much of my life and I've had so much of this stuff. And I'm at a place in my life now where I'm not looking for anything casual. I'm excited to like really invest in a partner. And I'm looking to get to date for marriage. In the same date, I was like, and I love men who lead and I love feeling taken care of and really traditional in that way. And, you know, when he texted me that night asking me on a date, I didn't feel like it was a game, you know, like, so I trusted it. I went out, I continued to appreciate him for taking the lead and making the plan and showing me that he's reliable and all the qualities I was looking for that he showed me, I I reflected to him that he was. And then we made a plan for the next date and he did the same thing. He followed up, he made the plan and like, we built a trust, you know, and I continue to show him appreciation, validation, like so much value that he brings to me and allows me to be myself, that it's, it's deepened and he can be himself and I can be the more myself. And it's really just that simple, but it requires modern women to pull back from some
2: of the things that we do in our work lives. Yeah. Well, your relationship such a success story. And first of all, I can't stop thinking about when you said that men talking increases their estrogen because like all I want is my boyfriend to talk more and communicate more. And now that's something to think about but I also like Carly and I always say in order to make your relationships kind of what you want instead of telling your partner what they're not doing and like nagging you're not doing this you're not doing this is always with positive reinforcement of like I like when you do this I love when you do this so it's like flipping it and approaching it differently which is reminding me a lot of just how you're approaching communicating your wants in your relationship to get what you want and have the balance in the relationship so and if
0: you're not getting what you want you start with what's going what what they are providing Mm -hmm. and then you say and and then you ask if together you can come up with a solution. So that's the feminine way is it's it's a collaboration. You don't tell him what the solution is you offer up an opportunity to collaborate. But this is only in a relationship. When you're dating you just receive and you you share what you want to feel and what your values are and he needs to prove to you that he could do it. And He'll want to, if he's a masculine guy, if he's not, he's going to find this to be oppressive. So some guys might hear this and be like, Oh my God, like that. But then they're not the energy that you might be looking for, you know?
1: Yeah. I feel like we really cracked this open. (laughs) This is why I keep ending up on dates with feminine guys. And I'm like, why, why this isn't the kind of guy I want. Why, why do I keep showing up on these dates? Earlier when I was framing all my questions, I was like, honestly thinking more under the guise of like seeing somebody like on the street or at a bar or at a coffee shop and like me just wanting to approach them, but also just wishing they would just approach me and feeling like my overall energy isn't like inviting people just to like come up and approach me.
0: So I actually feel like it is the woman's job to make eye contact. So I used to tell my friends at my move when I was in my twenties, my home, my move was like the stare, like I would stare at them and I would say to my friends, Oh, I bet you I can get this guy to come over and." chat, you know, I'm just going to stand here and I'm just going to like, look at him and he's going to feel my energy. And then you look at me and then I smile. And most of the time, like you hold the gaze, he'll
1: come over and talk. I can true. attest I- to that <laughs> because that happened to me the last weekend. I texted Mia and I was like, You know what? I'm sitting outside. I'm not wearing a mask for the first time in like a year. I'm just going to test, like, looking at this guy smiling. Two minutes later, he was sitting next to me talking to me. And I feel like it was like, oh my gosh, like all you have to do, especially now, people want to be like smiled at and looked at. Like, we haven't, that hasn't happened in a year. That energy, like, you're smiling
0: and you're giving that energy. So, like, that's your feminine energy. You're not doing anything. You didn't get up and like move into his space. You were just in your space, but you invited him in. And then that's what you continue to do, right? You continue to make the first gesture so that he can then be successful and do it for you. Like the man needs to feel like they're being successful and doing it for you. A lot of women don't express what they want the man to provide for them so that they're successful and then they just get mad or they do it to the man and hoping that by showing by doing it to the man, the man will do it back to them (laughs) and that never works cuz men just don't
2: think like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love that. It's like the eye contact and the smiling. It is making a little move, but like in the right energy. Like even the other day or a couple of weeks ago, I got my hair done and I like made eye contact with this guy. And then he kept staring at me and like turned around and looked at me. I'm like, wait, what energy am I putting out right now? I'm not trying to attract this boy until then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. this was so fun. Like I loved the route of relationships we went down, but we always like to pivot to learn a little more about you in our rapid fun. Questions. Well, on the relationship side of things, and I know you spoke a little bit about what makes your relationship with your partner work, but what is one must have quality for you in a significant other? Consistency and reliability in many ways.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, those are great ones. And what is your favorite method of self care?
0: My favorite method of self care is my yoga and meditation practice but also my ability to honor the transition times, right? So I usually schedule a lot of transition times, like in between clients. Time management is actually a huge
2: self-care thing for me. Yeah, I love that. Time management 100% is self-care. And I never thought about that. It totally is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Are you a morning or a night person? And what's the first thing you do when you wake up and last before you go to bed? I'm
0: a definitely a morning person.
2: The first thing I do when I
0: wake up is brush my teeth and wash my face and make my bed. And then I have my mushroom coffee and I like to sit. I like to sit and do nothing. So, like, I like to just sit with my coffee and just like feel my body and like look outside and, and then usually I get into my practice. I usually, I have like a, an hour and a half to two hour daily med, yoga and meditation practice that I have in the morning.
1: <laughs> what is one food that you can't live without? Probably sushi. <laughs> That's a great one. Do you have a favorite sushi spot in the city? So, so yeah.
0: So for kind of like the order in sushi, It's called Maguro on 28th and between Lex and 3rd, I believe. And then lately I've been doing a bunch of um, omakase.
1: I've never done it. I'm dying to do it.
0: Oh my God. Gotta do it. (laughs) Special (laughs) event. (laughs) You need to then go say to your boyfriend you could say like oh my god it would feel so fun
2: <laughs> yeah I'm gonna start doing that I all love of it when you take me out to sushi <laughs> all of my sentences are just gonna start with I love it when you insert something he's like probably not doing
0: <laughs> I suggest you suggest you'd be like I was looking online I was talking to someone today and they mentioned a makasse. and I was looking online and I saw it it's so
2: cool and I would love to go yeah I'll try it I'll report back Our favorite question, what is advice you would give to your younger self? Trust yourself more. It's not that deep. Trust yourself
1: more. Yeah, I like that. I like it's not that deep. That's definitely true. Well, this was such a great conversation before we go. I'd love for you to tell everybody where they can find you and just maybe like a little bit, a little snapshot and the capacity people can work with you in. Amazing. So
0: they could find me on Instagram at Also on the web, www.bewellbyak.com. And then on YouTube, um, I have some really nice, fun videos about managing emotional eating and things like that. So if you're interested in looking at that, so it's Be Well by AK as well. And then I work with people one-on-one in a membership or just a package style. So you can work with me in two ways, one-on-one. And then I have two programs, one that's like a foundational program, And then one that's an eight week intensive module program that you purchase and then you have as much time as you want to do the class. It's not like a live class. It's your own program and you can do it at your own pace. It is a program that the modules open up weekly. So once you purchase it, you don't get all eight weeks at
2: once. You have it forever. And so you can continue to look back. Yeah, at it. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope everyone goes and checks you out. You already have provided a wealth of knowledge. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you guys.